Oh, good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dan Crawford from Hamian. Welcome to our new edition of the Green Pole podcast. Straight after a goalless draw at Wolverhampton Wanderers, we've had some squad rotation uh, this weekend. Alan Druitt can't hack the heat. That's the only conclusion to draw. Um, he's had to drop out of our team this afternoon. So I'm joined by Tommy Durham. Tommy, how are you doing, my friend? Are you well? I'm good, mate. Just trying to get through the heat. Well, we're all sweltering. I'm sweating already and we've only been recording for about a minute and a half. Um, and I'm also joined by our co illustrious co-founder, uh, Nick Byland, better known as Nick the Swede, to everyone who's contributed to any Fulham forum over the last, what, 20, 25 years. Nick, it's great to have you back with us. How are you? Not bad, not bad. Uh, we're not suffering from the same heat as you guys in the UK do, so it's quite pleasant here, even though um, I have the AC running. You, yes, you would have air conditioning, and also uh, Scandinavia is better set up to deal with these sort of weather malfunctions in general than uh, than, than Great Britain. But yes, uh, you, you're obviously handling it much better. Um, let's crack right on with it. I've got one uh, particular question for you, Nick, for our sort of newer listeners, readers. Um, can you tell us the story of exactly how you and then the whole of your family became Fulham fans? Uh, well, it goes back to the mid-90s. I can't remember exactly which year, but it was uh, maybe a year before Alpha Yed came into the picture. I was doing my internship in Portsmouth and went to see Pompey play uh, home and away every week. But I never had the feeling that they were my team. They just happened to be the local team where I was staying. And uh, one winter game, we were on our way to see Reading Pompey. But the game was called off because of a snowstorm and they didn't have any under-soil heating. So we quickly grabbed the paper and figured out that the closest game that was being played would be at the cottage. So walking through Bishop's Park in a snowstorm, seeing the floodlights since this was an evening game, uh, and I basically fell in love with Fulham just because of the facade of the uh, Stevens Road stand, or Johnny Hale stand, as it's called these days. Uh, I went to a couple of Fulham games before returning to Sweden, and when I moved to Oxford to uh, do my degree, uh, I started going down with my uh, Swedish friends to uh, follow as much as we could. And when I uh, had graduated, moved back to Sweden, I started bringing my uh, dad and my sister to games a couple of times a year. So that's pretty much the short story. Yeah, there's a slightly longer version, which is where you convinced all of your fellow Swedish students that they should follow Fulham as well on the basis that not, although you're all great mates, none of you supported the same side in Sweden and therefore you felt you should all follow the same English side and you had to convince all of these nutters to follow Fulham as well. Am I remembering that correctly or has the hangover uh, robbed me? Of... No, pr pretty much a correct uh, account. We were sitting in the uh, dormitory kitchen one evening and had that discussion that since we never agree on a Swedish team, at least we could see if we could find a club where uh, we could agree in England. And uh, I was at the time the only one who'd attended the cottage a couple of times and uh, everyone uh, suggested the team and uh, presented a reason why they would uh, 
uh, like us to go there. But at the end of the day, there was a couple of reasons, Craven Cottage being one, and uh, the other one was that we were so low in the league uh, pyramid at the time that we realized that we were always going to be guaranteed to get tickets uh, because all the other suggestions were teamed in uh, the championship in the Premier League. So uh, it made sense that we could uh, go down there. And it also meant that the first of us to graduate uh, got a job in London. And of course, he he moved to Fulham. He was about 250 meters behind uh, uh, the Golden Lion. So that became our base of operations every weekend when we traveled down to Oxford. <laughs> Unbelievable stuff. I mean, you live 250 meters from the Golden Lion. I mean, yeah, that's just, well, well, we won't quite go into that because we might, you know, I don't want to get sued for libel. Um, uh, right. Um, an excellent story. And, of course, you then went on to, to write for Svenska Fans, the leading Swedish uh, fan site. And from there, Hammy End was born. Um, and it was initially a bilingual site until you decided you didn't even want to write in Swedish um, and handed the reins over to myself. Um, I might not even give you the right of reply on that one. I don't know. <laughs> I think that's a pretty accurate account. And it's nearly 20 years later, and we've got young lads like Tommy taking up the baton now. Um, so let's uh, move on from ancient history between yourself and myself and talk about something that should still be at least fresh in the mind, which was yesterday's trip to Molyneux. Um, so the starting point here is, are we happy with a point of walls, or should we have got all three? Tommy, I'll start with you. Uh, overall, yeah, I'm happy with the point. Uh, like um, I said, uh, I think to you yesterday that um, they were better first half, we were better second half. I think, you know, it's a bit of mixed emotions because we missed the penalty, but had we not got the penalty, I don't think we actually created any real clear-cut chances. I think um, we missed that end product. Cabano was brilliant. Deco Reed was brilliant, but, but I think we just missed something on the wings that, that could put in a good ball. Um, and obviously at the back, there was a few uh, heart-in-mouth moments um, in the first half. So the toast in a Rodak one was a bit, you know, had my nails biting for that one. But I think overall, you know, if, if you'd have told me we'd pick up two points from the opening two games, I think I'd have probably gone, yeah, I'll take that, definitely. And I think one thing that really stuck in my mind was after the game in Silver's post-match conference, he said that, the team is full of fight and togetherness. And I think that's something that really you you can't, you know, you couldn't buy someone that would give you that. I think the team spirit is really there this time. And I think we've got a really good opportunity to to make a statement this year. Yeah, I totally agree with that. There was a couple of Keystone Cops moments defensively, but it wouldn't be Fulham um, without that. A first Premier League clean sheet in 13 games. Nick, how happy were you with a point yesterday? Uh, all in all, I would agree with Thomas because uh, they outplayed us quite substantially the first half and then we came back into the game. But also the point of the end product in terms of uh, getting the ball into the box, I thought Cabana was brilliant yesterday except that finishing pass. I mean, he worked like an animal both defensively and uh created space going forward, but very rarely managed to put the ball into the right uh, player in the box. 
But uh, one point away from home to Wolves, yeah, I'll take that. I think we all would. And the best part, I think, was a clean sheet away from home. We had that moment where uh, Rodak and Tosin got in each other's way and somehow Neto didn't finish from, I've seen the freeze frame of it. And I can't quite believe that, oh, sorry, my Windows is offering me loads of reminders. Um, we might have to edit that bit out. Um, the, that uh, Neto didn't finish from a, a bizarrely close angle. Um but we managed managed to get through without too many alarms. Mark Rodak only had to make one save, but I thought he was excellent. The entire back form was very good. And a clean sheet is something to build on, isn't it, Nick, defensively? For sure, especially when we have uh, recently brought in two uh, potentially really, really good uh, signings. So for once, it seems like we have uh, some depth in defence in terms of rotating players and of course, 35-year-old Tim Ream can't be expected to play week in, week out in a long season. So we really uh, look like we're building something good at the back. Although in defensive uh, veteran Tim Ream, uh, he's had two excellent games, I have to say. Um, and he had to deal with uh, Guedes coming on uh, in, in, in the latter part of that searing heat, which... We haven't really spoken about it yet. I mean, I was there and I was very close to the front. I greatly appreciated the fact that uh, Wolves turned on the fire starters right before the kickoff um, as well to to just make it even hotter. Um, but uh, yeah, Reem was excellent. And that was my point to you, uh, Tommy, in respect of um, when we might introduce Leno, Duffy and Diop. Because you can't really drop people after a defensive performance like that, or can you? No, no, definitely not. I think um, uh, I think Tim Reams has been brilliant the last two games. And like I said to you in, in the first pod, that, you know, I think changes will happen. I think it is inevitable that he will drop out of the team. But I think he has a part to play this season, definitely. And, you know, I think Silver's done a brilliant job with him. But also, I think that... The fact that we're attacking more maybe means that we're less susceptible at the back. We're we're more likely to be on attack, so he's not going to be as under the cosh as he usually is or was in previous Premier League campaigns. Um, I don't know if, if that makes sense, but um, yeah, I just think that I think Leno will come in. I do think Leno will come in. I think that's more well not if just because of the profile of player he is. But I think at the moment you can't drop anyone. I think they're all giving everything, and that's all we can ask for, really, is 100% every game. Yeah, and it, it's a nice selection dilemma for Marco Silva to have when your players who've been mainstays in the Championship step up so well. You know, we talked already about Cabano and Declan Dover-Reed. Yeah, the final ball might not have been there, but their work in keeping Wolves out and making Wolves look quite ordinary for long stages of that match was, was really impressive. So that's excellent. We do need to talk about the penalty. Mitro missed from 12 yards, but we can't be uh, losing faith in our number nine, can we, Nick? I don't think so, but uh, given that he has a spectacular scoring ability, I'm surprised that uh, such an experienced player does not look up just before he takes the penalty because the uh, Wolverhampton goalkeeper moved very early. So uh, I'm, I'm surprised that he um, 
just kept on looking down on his feet and the grass. Yeah, there, there's some speculation about his uh, penalty taking and, uh, and a lot of informed comment. There was some suggestion that Saar moved off his line a little early, but I don't think um, we can really quibble too much. My, my point was more that there's clear, he's not clearly a Mark Blake, Danny Murphy, uh, Heider Helgerson type penalty taker, um, and he never will be. Uh, but my point was more around his general play and the fact that uh, he's the main man up front, even if it was very nice to see Jay Stansfield get a Premier League debut. Um, Tommy, he, he had a tough aerial battle against strong wall centre-backs and the heat meant that we didn't really get numbers in and around him. Um, so football fans are fickle, but we can't turn on Mitrovic just a week after he's absolutely dominated Virgil van Dijk, No. No, definitely not. Absolutely not. Not after everything he's done for us. Like, um, yes, he's going to miss penalties. But again, like Silver said, he said he's going to take the next one. He'll score the next one. He's given him that confidence. And as we all know, Mitrovic is a confidence player. If you put the ball in the box for him, he's going to get chances. And eventually he will score goals. Or maybe not eventually, but he will score goals. Um, I think that that's another reason why we're looking in the market for someone who can come on and uh, maybe be an in-behind player, you know, make runs in behind Mitrovic or replace Mitrovic late on. Because I think you saw at the end, he was, well, he could hardly run towards the end. He was frustrated with missing the penalty and his head his head kind of went down after the penalty miss. And, and obviously he had that altercation with Morgan Gibb-White at the end of the game where, well, he was lucky to stay on the pitch really in the end. But definitely not. You can't, you can't after one game, be, be saying, no, we need to, get rid of him, a new penalty taker, you know, give him the ball next time and see what he does. He scored against Liverpool. Uh, I think he's got a seven in seven in 10 return for penalties or something, which isn't great. But, you know, if you take the ball off of him, what's his confidence going to do? It's going to drop. So I was going to say, given, see what happens. Sorry, mate. Yeah. Given the uh, alternatives, I do remember that Slavisa season where we had a number of people try to take penalties and fail gloriously. Um, seven out of ten sounds pretty good for a Fulham penalty taker of late. Um, you cleared up my next question really well there, Tommy. So I'll start with you. We seem to be competitive in the Premier League to date, um, but we do need some more bodies, or Marco would like some more signings in. Where should we be looking to strengthen, Tommy? Where, where, where would you be saying the key areas are if we can get somebody in? What are we looking at? I think now with the injuries to Wilson and Solomon, it has to be uh, on the wings um, mainly, but also a different type of striker. Like I said just then, someone with a bit of pace who's going to turn defenders, take balls over the top of them, stretch the game a little bit towards the end, give us a chance in the last 15, 20 minutes of a game to to really hit teams on a counter-attack, say. Um I saw we were linked with uh, Bamba Dieng at Marseille, but I don't know a lot about him. All I know is what YouTube shows you, really. Um, and things, obviously, I've seen William being linked. And to be honest, a short-term deal for a player like him with the experience, get him in. What's he going to do for the likes of uh, Luke Harris and Jay Stainsfield? He's going he's gonna to give them a lot of experience to work off of, to learn from. Um, and hopefully he'll be able to put a, you know a decent ball in the box at the right time on the pitch as well. 
Yeah, possibly. Nick, where where should we be looking in positional-wise to the end of the transfer window? What what would you like to see in terms of players coming? Um, pretty much the same mould of players that Thomas is speaking about. We need a speedy uh, forward that can change a game and uh, against certain opposition actually also play together with Mitro. I don't think that... Uh, I, I think that with a, a faster player next to him, he will find more space because the uh, defense will have so much more to think of in terms of covering ground. And um, yeah, uh, we need to get our wingers uh, stronger and we need to get a player who have the end product in delivering the ball into Mitrovic and his uh, playmates in the box. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone would disagree with that. The problem is finding a striker willing to sit on the bench for a while who's yet of the, of the requisite quality to hurt Premier League defences when he comes on, um, which is why uh, we're sort of mixing and matching, I think, at the moment. Um, I've written this morning about how special it was to see uh, Jay Stansfield uh, come off the bench. Um, it's quite emotional for me personally, knowing... Jay and, and some of his family and friends. So um, it was quite teary uh, for myself yesterday. I'm not going to speak any more about that. We've, we've put an article up on, on Hamien for people to read. Um, and I think Jay would be the first to admit he's probably not a right winger either, but he did a, a handy little job in the, in the closing stages. And it's lovely to see him make a Premier League debut after all he and his family have been through um, and all his improvement. Uh, in his few short years at Fulham and we must credit the Exeter City Academy for everything they did to uh, get Jay to the stage where he's ready to come in and fire uh, for us. Right, we do need to look ahead because uh, unfortunately the hysterical lads from Hounslow who we haven't beaten at home in the league for 27 years are buzzing after beating Manchester United, although that's probably not as big an achievement as it used to be. Uh, lads, how big is Saturday's derby? Can we finally beat them at Craven Cottage? Nick, I'll start with you. Uh, I think we have a fair chance. Uh, I didn't watch the entire game yesterday, but uh, they didn't impress me as much as uh, Man United appalled me. I've never seen uh, United in my lifetime being so abysmal as they were, uh, especially in the first half hour. So I think uh, if we can get the crowd behind the team and we uh, uh, take on the opposition with the same attitude and fight as we have in the previous two games, I don't see why we shouldn't be able to get something from the game. Definitely. Tommy, uh, how are you feeling ahead of the the match with the boys from the bus stop? Yeah, after the United game, I saw the result. I didn't see... um... I saw the result first and I, I thought, oh God, you know, they've played really well, obviously. But uh, like Nick says, that Man United, were, they were terrible. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever seen them play that badly. Um, and love, you know, lovely to see them in lime green so everyone can see all the mistakes. That was good. Um, but uh, going forward, I think if we can stop Ivan Tony making those runs into, into, the, into the wing areas, down the wings, I think we've got a fair chance. Um, I think that Hopefully, we'll get a winger in by then. You might see a couple of changes in, in, in the team, maybe just freshen it up a little bit, maybe a bit more physicality. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, it, this silver team uh, is a different style of Fulham. Fulham, it's a different, it's a different Fulham altogether. We're a different animal this season, I think, and I genuinely think that we can, if we get like like Nick says again, if we get the crowd on our side, put in the same sort of effort that we put in the last two games, I think we can definitely get something, a draw if not a win. It'd be great to uh, to end that barren run at, at Craven Cottage. Um, Lads, it's been a pleasure having you on uh, to discuss that Wolves fixture. We don't normally do birthday shout-outs on this podcast, and I'm loath to uh, to start the tradition now, but there are two people whose birthday is today who've been uh, fanatical Fulham fans and good friends of our, our website. I'll have to do this in one take, so I'm going to butcher Maria's surname. Nick, you might have to help me here. Maria... Kiartan's daughter, it's her birthday today, uh, the founder of uh, FFC Iceland, um, and also Dan Lockyer, um, who's well known to, to many of us following Fulham home and away uh, for many years. He's actually celebrating his birthday in Italy uh, with his partner, M. Um, so we wish them a very happy birthday and how nice it is that they can toast a Marek Rodek clean sheet uh, as they celebrate today. Uh, thank you, Nick, for coming on. Let's not leave it so long next time, mate. I'll try to be a more regular feature on this one because th- this is uh, uh, it's a new way of me to uh, express myself and I do enjoy talking about F- Fulham, as you know. Excellent. Well, we look forward to more expressions of yourself, um, however, in whatever form they come to us uh, over the next nine months of the season. Look forward to welcoming you back to Craven Cottage as well soon. Um, Tommy, great to have you with us. Thanks so much for your time this afternoon. Thank you very much. Pleasure as always. And uh, we look forward to that Brentford game. We'll be back uh, later this week with with some more preview of the derby. Uh, But for now, uh, from me, Dan Crawford, thanks very much for listening and come on you whites.